It is health that is real wealth and not pieces of gold and silver. Mahatma Gandhi. Welcome back. We have now reached our halfway point of living a whole Christian life. This is Dr. Jim Schrader, and I'm so excited to be entering into the second half of this podcast with you. And in that preceding quote we heard, again, I'll say this quote, it is health, it is real wealth, and not pieces of gold and silver, again by Mahatma Gandhi. So I'm excited to kind of join with you here as we enter in the second half of our podcast, because as we move from the framework and foundation of living a whole Christian life, we're going to be going into the rooms first of our physical dimension. And as beings formed from the smallest conglomeration of cells, it's interesting to note that the physical dimension is the first that became evident to the world around us. When you think about, you know, previous to the advent of ultrasounds, of course, people had to wait to see this child be born, right? But at the point where the sonogram, the ultrasound became a reality, and now you have these 40 ultrasounds that are just phenomenal. I mean, it's almost like seeing, I guess in some ways, like a claymation view of our, of our child or unborn child. We began to, for the first time, lay eyes on our being, on the being of our child in a most physical way. And so that's how we actually first came to know each of us, this generation, was the physicality before we came to know the social side and the psychological side. It was the physicality that first emerged. So it's interesting to think about, again, as we dive into the rooms of this Christian life, right, from the framework and the foundation into the rooms of this physical dimension, that we were all endowed with a certain genetic um, makeup from the beginning of conception. But from the moment of conception, what quickly happened was that we began to be affected by our environment. Interestingly enough, studies around even the stress related to the mothers or prenatal nutrition make it very clear that God's design allowed the environment to affect the physicality of who we are. And eventually, as we were after we were born and we grew older, um, we recognized that the third piece of that design is that the lifestyle choices that we make impact Again, our genetics, we talk about epigenetics um, later on. It's actually kind of the, the way in which genetics rise up and actually can even be changed in some ways by what occurs during the environment. But the things like, you know, how we sleep and what we eat and how much we move and, and what we, you know, watch on the screens and engage for media, it's important to recognize that all of this is God's design, right? We take the genetic makeup of who we are that came through at conception we take the environment around us, whether it was in utero or once we were born, and the environment of our families and the environment of our world. I mean, even the environment of what we breathe in every day and even the different substances that are positive or negative that we're exposed to. And then we, again, we take the one thing that's controllable, right? The first two are more difficult to control many times, but our choices and the way that we live these three things equal who we are right now in, the, in regards to our physical selves and other dimensions that we'll talk more about, but also who we become. And so it's, it's God's design created this co-partnership that is so important to see, right? I think we often feel that we might blame, you know, what happens on the world or, or things around us. And again, many times, especially as we're growing up, we didn't have any control. We certainly had no control over our genetics. And in many ways, we had no or very little control around our environment. But as we grew to the age of reason, as we grew to the age in which we recognize that the cornerstone of God's design really is that free will, where we really start to engage here around the physical dimension is what we can control, what God gives us the opportunity 
um, to see as malleable, right? And I think that's so important that we teach our kids this and that we ourselves consider this, that there are the uncontrollables of life. There are the things that, you know, you might feel like, geez, I got a raw deal from birth, right? I have a genetic condition or had a congenital abnormality, or I've just really struggled from a health perspective. And I mean, I just, you know, we all should empathize for everyone. And if you, you should empathize with yourself, that that's a difficult thing to experience. But what you find oftentimes as people grow up is that even irrespective of those physical conditions, that what was granted to them, there's such a variability in responding. It's been amazing. I got to know, you know, through the athletic side of things and other people who have had serious congenital abnormalities um, and yet are remarkable in the things that they're able to do. We are affected dramatically, of course, by our genetics and our environment, but we are not bound by that. God's design creates this co-partnership that we have to take really seriously. As we enter into this physical dimension and we talk about, it's really talking about the aspects of what we can control and what we can't, and the empowerment that God creates for us if we recognize this. But I think one of the challenges here, and this is the challenge I'm going to reflect on even growing up myself, is that we talk about healthy. Mahatma Gandhi said it's health that is real wealth and not pieces of gold and silver. One of the most challenging things that I found in my own life is just what is healthy according to God's design and not necessarily the culture or the society or the trends around us, right? I grew up in a great place. It's actually a place where I live very close to right now. It was on the west side of Evansville. And it's just a wonderful place to grow up where so many ways I was supported in my life. Um, I was you know, grew up with a wonderful family. Of course, none of us without challenges, but grew up also in a place where people come back to to raise their families and and to work hard and, and to really be part of a community. And so there were so many, so many positive things about where I grew up and where I continue to go back to. But I have to reflect on the fact that growing up on the West Side, the definition of healthy um, then is very different than what I perceive it to be according to God's design now. Um, it wasn't just the way that we ate, although there was so, <laughs> German food isn't quite known for its great health capabilities, but even the way that we moved, even our reliance on vehicles. I remember that when we went forward with having only one vehicle for years, um, in fact, for a full decade, as I mentioned before, I think a lot of people questioned that decision because it was like, well, families like yours have to have two vehicles. Ways that we moved, even you know what we did in regards to just sleep and other things, I reflected growing up as I did, formed initially my views of health. But as I got further into the science and I got further into what I feel like our faith calls us in living a whole Christian life, my views have changed dramatically on just what is healthy. And I think this is important for all of you listening here today, that you have all had this similar exposure of your own growing up and your own experiences. And you might have seen what was defined as healthy before. You might question it and ask yourself, is that truly healthy according to God's design? And the reason this is critical is not for vanity reasons or vanity issues at all, but really that God created our physical being as well as our other dimensions to be a mechanism for a greater purpose. And I'm going to tell some stories as we go through this, uh, personal stories and some stories of other people about just what I mean about our physical dimension being designed as a mechanism for a greater purpose. Being physically healthy as possible according to God, the way that God designed it, doesn't just mean that you can run faster or lift more weights or whatever. But way more importantly, it's a tool to be able to answer God's call even more than you might even imagine. 
And that, and I have found that the last 15 years, this has been quite a journey for me going all the way back to, again, the story, but all the way back to before our twins were born. And I was realizing that, oh my gosh, my blood pressure is going up. My weight's going up. I think I'm, I'm being told that maybe I should take medication to control this. I, just recognizing during my wife's pregnancy with our twins, I don't feel like this is where God's calling me to be. All of a sudden, I got really scared, to be honest, scared that I wasn't going to have the physical capability to keep up what life demanded. And at that time, all we knew was that I was on my way to being a psychologist and we were having our twins being born. I had no idea, never could have fathomed that eight kids later and all the different things going on in my life that I would be called to do what I've been called to do. But what I knew at the time I felt deeply was that I really need to take seriously the physicality. I needed to take seriously what I was doing in regards to how I was really eating, which wasn't healthy at all, and what I wasn't doing, which for sometimes at five to six months, you know, when things got colder and I wasn't riding a bike somewhat, I wasn't moving much at all. The idea here as we enter into this, and I'm just so excited because I know that so often this pulls people down and you may feel again you've gotten a raw deal and you might be sitting there in lots of pain in other ways. Wherever you are, I just want you to know that it's all about you and God and not seeing this idea of pursuing a really healthy physical life as an obligation, but rather, and I keep saying this over and over in the podcast, rather seeing this as an opportunity to form a covenant with God in a way that opens up capacity that you don't realize. You just, you don't know. I mean, I think of the things I would have laughed at 15 or 20 years ago, and not just not just physical elements of endurance, other things, but things I would have laughed at, like, yeah, right, like that's possible, Lord. And again, this dimension, among others, what I have found is that what you see as your capacity is not God's capacity, but you have to engage in this co-partnership. And the other thing I think about this is not just engaging in the physical world as an opportunity for a covenant with God to increase your capacity, your call, but I also look at it as a way of showing gratitude and solidarity to him for your gift of your own body, the gift that he gave you for your physical self. And I know some of you are going to say, but geez, it's easy for you to say because of things that you're able to do maybe, but I can't do this right now. I can't do that. Like I'm struggling with a lot of pain. So I recognize that you may not feel the gift, but, but remember, like even the senses, even being able to see things and hear things and smell things and touch things in and of itself is remarkable that we have the capacity to do that. And we don't just do it for need. God gives us this physical body to experience all sorts of beauty and joy in infinite number of ways. And that comes through our physical selves. I think the idea is that we owe it to ourselves to show gratitude to God through the gift that he gave us of our physical being. And the best way I believe that we can do that is to honor that gift, honor the gift of self, of physical self, by the way we treat ourselves. I know we're going to fail. Again, it's not about an outcome here. It's about a process. And you know what's also really interesting is that I um, really got into the writings of George Sheehan years ago. George Sheehan's kind of known as the running doctor. He's a father of 12, cardiologist, and a 21-time Boston Marathon runner. 
And he reflected it in his one of his books about the fact that he really saw Jesus as an athlete himself. And I, I love this idea. And I really never thought about it until he described it. But, you know, he said, hey, look, Jesus, of course, there was no sub three-hour marathons recorded or anything else like that. But you know what? You know, he's walking endlessly. He's eating simply. He's fasting all the time, up to 40 days, of course, which is remarkable. And later on, we find out that fasting has so many physical and even psychological benefits that science supports. He really saw, and I have gotten to see Jesus as an athlete for God, but, but truly like an athlete. Like we could easily say, well, at that time, they had to do all of these things. Well, uh, that's an easy way to displace this idea. But the reality is that he was doing things every day that many athletes here do for various reasons. And the way he lived and the way he experienced life was in a very athletic way, right? So, you know, as I reflect on this, I think about myself being an athlete for Christ in that way, right? And, you know, it's interesting as Jesus has been depicted thousands of different ways over the years in pictures, right? How many different pictures of Jesus have you seen? I'm looking every which way you can imagine. Ask yourself one thing, and I I just want you to reflect on this. How many times have you pictured Jesus or have you seen Jesus in a picture with a big gut? Now, again, I mean, for all of you out here who have a a bigger stomach than you want to, I'm just saying, you know, we're all, of course, we are not perfect. We are not Jesus. But reflect on the fact that Jesus is depicted as an athlete in everything I've ever seen of him. And there may be a reason why that is just beyond just the fact of the interpretation of the artists themselves. So here's the the idea, is that what is healthy is really important to consider according to God's design, not the trends around us, because that's going to limit us, right? But even more importantly, what if improving your physical health could improve your faith life? And of course, ultimately, we're talking about living a whole Christian life, right? What if you listening today have never once thought about or just kind of been contemplated the idea that what you do physically to honor the glory of God's gift to you of this being, of this body you are, could actually unlock your faith life, open up your faith life in a way that you hadn't ever experienced before. And I've got a lot of evidence, I I believe, that supports this idea that your faith line becomes more whole when you honor the body as given by God, right? Again, remember this quote that I said before from the Catechism of the Catholic Church, quote, the human body shares in the dignity of the image of God. It is the human body precisely because it is animated by the spiritual soul. Again, the soul animates our body. Our body is an expression of that image of God, of that spiritual soul. The idea here is that not to to believe or even to think that we could somehow pursue this, you know, physical perfection. First of all, it's not possible. None of us are ever going to get there in this world. And second of all, this is, again, not about an outcome. This whole idea of this entering into the rooms of our physical dimension is about a process that opens up a world that sounds less physical and way more virtuous and transcendent and spiritual than you might imagine. And that is really exciting, right? What we see in front of us or what you do in front of you, when you commit yourself to sleep habits that honor God's design, what you're saying is, hey, God, I recognize you created me in this way, 
And so in order to honor you, I am not going to allow things around me that of my choice to negatively impact the sleep that I have. Because mysteriously so, and again, this is coming down the line in our podcast, so many things happen in sleep that you have gifted to me that all I can do is to preserve the habits and the honor of this gift you give me. Same way that we think about eating here. Consider this, that when we look at eating, God ordains celebration. In fact, today we had a great celebration at our house here for our interns who are getting ready to leave. And there was some great food, and I really enjoyed that. At times, God says, please indulge and celebrate. But what he also says is that you have to know that thousands of studies support this, that what you consume, that what you put into yourself has a dramatic effect on the person you are and the person you are becoming. Think about that. He designed this. We can get angry at God sometimes about this, and sometimes it does seem, again, a little unfair, a little bit difficult. But he designed that what goes in you doesn't just supply the energy and it's all good and go, but it impacts you and it changes you. And in some ways, it creates who you are. And then the movement, we get to the movement of this world that we're going to, I'm so excited to share some experiences that I think um, really expanded my horizon. Consider that the movement that we do in all aspects of our life, even small movements in our homes or, or long movements over the course of days, not only impact the physicality, not only impact our opportunity to experience a more transcendent and spiritual being, but I would argue that movement externally that we engage in creates internal movement in our soul. Isn't that amazing? That when we willfully move, that something else inside of us, that our soul, that the essence of our being begins to shift and it begins to change. And so here we are, we're entering into this physical world. No matter where you've come from and no matter where you are right now, I hope that you can share in the excitement of exploring this in a very different way. Fifteen years ago, I would have never been sitting here talking to you like this because I had no idea that the physical world really held this promise. But as I began to realize the sense of a covenant that I was experiencing with God to honor his gift to me by my efforts to preserve this amazing gift, that that union, that co-partnership began to develop and over time led to more than I can imagine. And for each of us here today, and for each of you listening, there's so much more out there. So as we enter into the second half of living a whole Christian life, I'm so excited to be with you and to learn what God's design tells us about our Creator and the world around us. This is Jim Schrader. Be holy, be holy.